Heavenly Father, it is, uh, it is so good to come into your house, so good to gather together, to worship together, Lord, to, to grow in our faith. Father, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would just meet us wherever we are at, Lord, that you would lead us in your ways and in your truth. Amen. Um, we're, we're continuing our series, our Heart Matters series, and you'll, you'll see that the thumbnail uh, of this series is the cross section of a tree stump. Uh, and within that you can see the grain of the wood, the rings of the wood, and uh, the reason that we have that picture depicting this Heart Matters, and, and we touched on it way back in the first week, is that we talked about the significance and importance of heartwood to a tree. See, as a tree grows, it, it grows from the outside. The, the new growth is on the outside. And then as, as new bark and, and, and new wood grows on the outside, there is a chemical reaction, a transformation that takes place at the center of the tree, at the heart of the tree. Uh, and it makes that, that wood in the middle that is in a lot of ways dead it, it's no longer growing it makes it hard and strong it's the heartwood that provides the foundation and the structure for the tree uh, and, and so it is with these heart matters these matters of the heart of our faith the heart of what it means to belong to God to be a part of God's family uh, and that we have been unpacking so that's that's a little bit of, of why there is a tree stump symbolizing heart matters <clears throat> this morning we're, we're going to continue that series and what I, I want us to reflect to start with on our bodily instincts our instinctive responses it's it's interesting how our body reacts to situations to tastes to smells even just the thought of something most of the times we don't even notice these things happening within our bodies but if we're carefully paying attention sometimes just with a thought the mention the idea of something we can begin to smell it or, or taste it just at the thought of a succulent steak sizzling on the barbecue with, with the aroma of caramelized onions. The thought of adding a nice hot sauce to that, a hot barbecue sauce. Or, uh, you know, if we, if we think about a lemon, you know, you know when you've got a bush lemon tree growing and, and you walk past it in the middle of spring after there's been a shower and, and there is just this fresh, lemony, zesty aroma about that tree and we, we think about a juicy lemon and, and squeezing that lemon juice and the sourness and the bitterness sometimes you can notice just at the thought of that your mouth and your tongue reacting but it doesn't stop there uh, if you're on a roller coaster there's the anticipation of a rapid descent that that, that can make your stomach giddy before you've even moved something that I, I know well from uh, my, my last trip to Movie World, I, I told my lovely wife that uh, I would go on either the Lethal Weapon ride or the Superman ride. 
And uh, fortunately, the Superman rides line was out the door. And so we went on the lethal weapon ride where you're, you're suspended in this cradle with your legs hanging down uh, and you're attached above your head as you, you start going up very slowly up this incline and the ride pauses right at the top before it releases and you, you, you're taken through. And my, wife, my lovely wife, I don't know how she managed it, she managed to get us front row seats. And uh, I found myself uncontrollably screaming. There was this guttural yelling that I couldn't stop because for me, my body was just saying, this is not okay. I'm wondering whether or not the, uh, the mechanics have done all of their routine maintenance, that everything was greased properly beforehand. I, I survived it. But, but it's that instinctive response. So this morning, I want to throw an idea at you, a thought at you, and I want you to, to just try and capture that instinctive response. I want you to try and grasp hold of what is your body saying in you, to you at the, the mention of this idea, this concept. I want you to try and capture the feelings that you feel in that instant in that brief moment before your brain ha has a chance to rationalize your your emotions around that try and capture that instinctive reaction you ready here it is the idea that i want to give you it's one word family family what was that instinctive response you know for, for some of us there, there might have been a, a response of hesitation or anxiety, a, a response of, of fear and sadness, grief, distance, isolation, loneliness. For others, that word conjures a sense of connection, of wholeness, or of warmth and security. Does it make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable? The reality is that, that we all have different experiences of family. For, um, for some of us, there may well be a mix of these feelings and emotions. For most of us, family at some point, at some level, is somewhat dysfunctional. It's annoying, argumentative, controlling. Families are complex, made up of people with different personalities, different likes and dislikes, different goals and dreams. This morning, we're continuing our Heart Matters series, and last week we looked at, at Jesus' new commandment to his disciples, and at the precipice of his, just the, the moments before his crucifixion, where he said, I, I know that you won't understand what is about to come to pass. I know that you won't be, I can't explain to you all that, that is in God's plans. You won't get it, you won't understand it, but simply know this, this is all you need to do. Simply choose love. Jesus said, oh, I want you to love one another. He's not starting with the big ideas of love the world. He's taught about that. That's still important. He says, I need you to start 
with the simple stuff. I need you to start by loving one another as I have loved you. Not as your mum or dad have loved you, but as I have loved you. And by this, all the world will know that you are my disciples. You see, this is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, to love one another. Have you ever thought about the church as a family? What about the church as your family? What about this church as your family? How does that make you feel this morning? Anxious? Hurting? Warm, secure? That's what we want to look at this morning, what it means to be a part of the family of God. Before we start, it's good to acknowledge that our experience of family, both good and bad, doesn't reflect God's perfect design for family, but one that has been broken by our, our sinfulness. The sad thing is that the church is not exempt from brokenness. It's not exempt from, from pride and selfishness. It's not exempt from sin. We're made up of broken, hurting, sinful people. Unfortunately, this means that from time to time, we will have the predisposition to hurt one another in our church family and to be hurt by others. Sometimes it might be a malicious intent to hurt or gossip. Other times we might un unintentionally do or say something that causes someone else hurt or embarrassment. Or we might even misrepresent someone's words or actions and take offence when that is not what they meant. The point is this, that this side of eternity, this side of Jesus' return, which we anxiously and eagerly await, we still live damaged lives. So you might ask, well, why bother? What's the point of family if we know that at some point we're going to get hurt? I guarantee you, I promise you, if you are a part of a church family, of God's family, you will get hurt. I wish it wasn't the case, but it's the reality that we're growing, that we're wrestling, that, that we have these pains within us and often we don't understand them. We can't comprehend why do I hurt this way, God? Why do I feel this way? And our instinctive reactions are not always godly. As Paul said when he was talking to the Ephesians or the, or the Philippians, not that I have already obtained all of this perfection in God's goodness. Yet I press on towards the goal. And we need to acknowledge that we are broken together. We will hurt one another because we have not already obtained God's fullness in his righteousness. We are continually being sanctified. So why should we persevere? Why should we live with one another with, with patience in the midst of, of the times when we hurt one another? The simple answer to that is because God created family. 
and he's called us, he's redeemed us to be his family. Because outside of the church, I can guarantee you this, while inside the church we will have times of brokenness and hurting one another, but we will also have those moments, those blessed moments of grace and a love that is enduring, a love that is persevering, that permeates through all of that, that cuts through all of that, that we will not experience anywhere else. As we look through the Bible, we see that God uses this idea of family and the roles within family to help us get a handle on love, to help us get an understanding of relationships and other important lessons like patience and perseverance and grace and mercy. He uses the idea of family to paint a portrait for us on how we are to relate to Him and understand Him and know Him. That's why we persevere. That's why it is worth it. Because family helps us see God in those moments where we get it, in those moments of clarity, in those moments of humility and the moments of grace and patience for one another. In those moments, we reflect, sometimes ever so slightly, the heart and the character and the nature of God. Family is first and foremost a way of knowing God better. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. John writes this, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Newer translations might put that, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. But I like the older English rendition there, behold. Because it's, it's not just something that we're, we're catching a glimpse of. This idea of behold is to grasp, to grasp with your eyes. As though you would grasp onto a lifeline hanging free, free on a cliff. Behold, with everything you've got, with everything that your life depends on, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John is starting out with this very uh, simple idea in that we, we are looking forward to a time when Jesus returns and we are purified and we are perfected and we are able to see God in all of his glory completely unhindered. But he says, we're not there yet. We won't be there yet until Christ returns in all his glory. But we're not at point zero either. We, we have the capacity to see and understand, to grow in our understanding of God's love. And so his encouragement 
is to start with this, behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called His children, that we should be brought into His family. In family, children gain special privilege over everyone else. Children gain access to their parents, their brothers and sisters simply out of relationship. Think about it for a minute. Within your family, if you had a choice between spending time with your children or spending time with someone else, children get that priority, don't they? They have that special access. Sometimes as parents, we're not perfect. Life gets busy and we don't get, get to give our children the access they want. And that's sometimes where, where grandparents come in. Have you noticed that? Grandparents, they, they have their, their grandchildren get, again, a special access because they're, they're family. For my family, my brothers and sister, I know this. There is so much that we do not share in common. So much so that if we weren't family, I can almost guarantee that uh, my brothers and my sister would have had nothing to do with me growing up. They have so vastly different priorities and passions and things in life that they, that, that they enjoy that, that makes them them that we wouldn't even cross paths or if we did that we would just be in so much of a different sphere. We wouldn't have been together yet as family, God placed us together. The old adage, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. God chooses our family for us, and I think for a wonderful reason. It's the diversity within our family that's helped make me who I am today. Because my brothers and sister, and indeed my mum and dad, don't think and act the way that I do because they have different passions and interests to me, it means that I've been able to try and experience a whole lot of things that I would never have done on my own. You know, when you, when you see your brother or your sister going about and, and trying something different, something that you would have never thought of, it, it sparks an interest of, I want to give that a go. That's what family is. It's, it's not being the same. It's not being a cookie cutter of one another. It's being different. But it, it's sharing a bond that is special, a bond that is unique. John continues in verse 4, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know, known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever makes a practice of righteousness is righteous and as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There is this word practice here. To make a habit of is what it means. It doesn't mean that... uh, If you have any sin in your life, then you're not of God. What it means is that as followers of Jesus, having surrendered our hearts and our lives to follow him, to live his ways, what that means is we go about making a practice of honoring him. This is my desire we sung just before, to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. It's a willingness to humble ourselves. And this is the bond that we share, a bond in Christ Jesus. But John adds on to the end of this, this is what makes us family. If we do not have love for one another, we do not belong to the family of God. What makes us family, what makes us Christians is the acknowledgement, the realization that sin is wrong. Living my life for the benefits of myself to the expense of others, that, that selfishness, that's, that's wrong. Living my life for myself to the exclusion of God or even to promote myself and my needs and my wants above that of God instead of surrendering to God is wrong. Think about it this way. As a society... We recognize that it's important to acknowledge the workmanship of others. When we copy or distribute anything that anyone else has created without acknowledging them, often without payment or recognition, it's called piracy or plagiarism. So when we choose to live our life without acknowledging God as creator, provider, sustainer, protector, then it's a no-brainer. We are stealing credit from God and it's wrong. The problem here is that any sin, all sin breaks and has broken our relationship with God and like everything, there is a consequence to those sins. Paul tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The consequence of our sin is death, which means that we are eternally separated from God, cast into hell. But it also explains why we, God, why we die. God didn't design us or, or design, desire bad things to happen to us. But our sin and our selfishness brought them into God's creation. So as Christians, what we have in common, what we share is this understanding that sin is wrong. That Jesus died taking the, the price, the penalty that we were due to pay to give us the opportunity to have a relationship back with God. What that means is that we're saved from the consequences of sin in order to live in relationship, in family with God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But because of God's love, we can receive it. But it also means that because we recognize sin is wrong, we no longer continue to want to do it. 
because we recognize that that sin damages God, hurts God, that damages God's creation, we no longer desire to do that because we share the love that God has for us. So being a part of God's family means that in our life, broken and imperfect as it is, we seek to live our lives God's way. Not so that we can be saved, but because we have been saved from the actions and the consequences of our choices and actions and words that we know are wrong. Paul, uh, John, John finishes here, family love in action, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whenever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another just as he commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit who he has given us John finishes this chapter with a little encouragement on how the family of God helps each other pursue righteousness to walk away from sin to turn from sin and turn towards God now if your family is anything like mine the natural way to help one another is often through uh, being better than them, to, by, by criticizing them, by showing them up, to judge them, to tell them loud and clear that they are wrong, that what they're doing is wrong. And that couldn't be more of a contrast to what John is talking about here. Love one another. Serve one another, care for one another, persevere with one another, endure with one another for the sake of the gospel. That by this, the whole world will know that we are Christ's disciples, that we belong to Jesus, that there is something different and unique that is found in the family of God. Loving one another isn't about being better than everybody else. It's not about pointing out everyone else's shortcomings. It's about relationship. Walking together through life. Caring for one another. Instead of judging one another's actions and words, it's about sitting down and getting to know them, getting to know and understand what's really going on in their life with their family. Not for gossip's sake, but to pray with them. To understand them. Because as we look around our, our family here, not two of us think the same. We all are created unique and different. When presented with something, we'll approach it from different angles and different aspects. We'll, we'll see different things within it. 
as we love one another, we are driven to understand the benefit of diversity within unity. To understand that, that God is giving us one another to see a bigger picture. Because in any particular one of us, we cannot see fully God's heart. But in the body of Christ, if we genuinely love one another God's way, then people can see more of who God is. As we did the review last year, one of the key words that came out of that, that process, and I love this, is familiness. When, when Mark and Craig summed up the heart of our church, familiness. Something that, that it makes up the DNA of Bowen Baptist Church, of who God is calling us to be, family. But it's also one of the key things, it's very clear that we need to do better. We don't do great at, at doing family together. So how do we grow in familiness? In this unity and this bond? Well, it takes time. It takes patience and generosity, grace and perseverance. It takes intentionality, getting to know someone. Anyone takes effort. It doesn't just happen. And it takes everybody to be involved. This year we've got some exciting ways that we think that we can help foster familiness in our family. The ways that we, we, we hope will help to foster and provide opportunity to develop those relationships, to grow deeper together, to really get to know one another and understand what, how, how one another ticks, what our strengths and weaknesses are together. Now, Jay's strengths don't have to be my strengths. I can celebrate them. He can celebrate mine. And together we can identify what we're not great at, what we're not passionate about. The things that, that Jay might be passionate about may not be the things that I'm passionate about. Praise the Lord. Because God can use Jay in ways that he won't use me. And vice versa. So as we, as we approach some of these opportunities like our church scavenger hunt, we're going to be looking at a, a Sunday night Bible study with, with, a, with a fellowship barbecue afterwards as a regular routine way of, of going deeper in the Word together to be transformed by God's Word. I want to encourage you, step out of your comfort zone, get involved for the sake of, of familiness. That we can grow together, not just be a club where everybody pats each other on the back and says, look at what a, what a good Christian we are, but where we can genuinely and authentically engage with the heart of God and where we can be transformed and grow. I, I love Paul's words, not that I have already obtained on all this, yet I press on towards the goal. I never think that I have obtained a point of righteousness where there is nothing more for me to learn, nothing more for me to change and be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's the role of the body of Christ together, that we, we together engage with the Word, that we are transformed by God's Word, 
that together we reflect more and more of God's heart, more and more of God's love and character. And that the world around us, our neighbours, our community is transformed. But we don't just need organised activities to facilitate this. You know, a cup of tea or coffee is not simply a cup of tea or coffee. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to share hearts, to touch together what's going on in our lives, to pray together, to journey together. So I want to encourage you to engage, to to ask someone intentionally to have a cup of tea. You may not drink tea, have a cup of coffee. You may not drink coffee, but that's just code for saying, I love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to listen to your heart. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I want to to be able to pray with you, journey with you. And I want to share what God's doing in my heart too. We've been talking um, as a leadership team. Uh, I'm I'm excited about what we've got coming. We're going to share a bit more of the members meeting uh, a little bit later. But this idea of testimony, we want to do a, a baptism class later on this year for anyone who hasn't been baptized who's thought about baptism but hasn't really taken that leap yet but as a part of that we want to capture this understanding of testimony because we often understand testimony is it's my story of how I came to know Jesus but testimony is so much more than that testimony is testifying bearing witness to who God is and what he has done in your life Not just up to the point of conversion, but before that and every single day and week since then. Have a think. How has God been at work in your life this week? How can you testify to his goodness and what he is doing? Maybe getting into the habit of taking that time, having a cup of tea with one another. Is an opportunity that we have to help refine the way that we capture and we share what God is doing. That we honour God and worship God for all that he does for us. Being the family of God is recognising we're not perfect. We are well and truly broken. We are cracked pots, if you like. And it means that Instead of jumping to judge one another because we're not perfect, we seek to encourage and care for one another. Instead of being critical of one another, we look for ways to support one another, to love one another with a genuine, authentic God love. And when we start doing that and doing that well, the world around us is going to be changed. Bowen is going to be changed. Marina Gardens, the high school, the, the state schools, the, the golf club, the footy clubs, the fishermen that come in and go out. The opportunities for God to work through us are endless if we start by loving one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we're, we're a church that's hurting. We've, we've all been through so much. 
especially these last few years, Lord, life has just been turned upside down and there are times where it's been hard to make head or tail of, of what's going on around us. Lord, it's been confusing and uncomfortable. And we're hurting and we've been suffering. We need more than anything else, Lord, it's to know your love, to know your peace and your comfort and to love one another. Father, we're not perfect. We are broken beyond belief. Would you work in us, humble us, Lord, to love one another as you have loved us, Lord, to be the family of God you have called us to be. Father, we surrender. We surrender to your work. We ask that you work in us for your kingdom and your glory and your honour. Amen. Just like